1: We do not criticize this young man for his political. He, he, he can vote We want he wants to. Guns are illegal in this country. That's not the problem. But there is a, there's some irresponsible and reckless uh, choices that have been made, I think, by this convention to lift up people who are, are irresponsible, pointing guns at people who are not armed.
3: She's saying, that's not who we are. That's not who our family is. That's not who Jacob is. Don't do it. And so, you know, he continues to root for violence.
4: It's, uh, the, you know, the country you will know, you know, Substantially safer, <laughs> <want you> <laughs> who's rooting for violence exactly i'm not sure about that it seems to me uh we've been celebrating the dnc was celebrating the unrest into serenading it even with billy porter doing a cover of a song from the 60s about uh protests what a week how much more crazy can this be so we're going to talk to Howie Carr in a second. I've um, Howie's one of those guys that I probably wouldn't have gotten into radio without Howie Carr. Not that many of you even know that I was ever in radio. I obviously, um, I don't have uh, dulcet radio tones or the ability to think on my feet, among other things. <laughs> I don't know, but I was a producer in radio, so really it was. Uh, but anyway, I was a radio listener in in the eighties. I first discovered Howie Carr when he was uh, a reporter for the Herald, and he was on. He used to do one segment a week on WRKO in Boston, and I couldn't believe the things that he said. I was so shocked. He was anti Kennedy, which I had not really heard all that much of, and he was um, he was totally disrespectful to to Billy Bulger. He was torching Whitey Bulger, who was then still a very, um, very visible and successful gangster. <clears throat> and I remember when the uh, thing happened, what was that? Um, when William Kennedy Smith, the sex or the rape trial ha- occurred, how he did these hits, these phoners from down in Florida. And I couldn't believe the stuff that he was saying about the Kennedys and how mean he was about Ted. and, and You know, I, the Massachusetts public school system, I was just a kid then. And, you know, it, the Kennedys were gods. And But anyway, so, and and then you know, when he got his own show, I started to listen and uh, I just became a huge fan. And his show was always one of these shows where you didn't have to, you didn't have to agree with him politically, but he was always having fun. And so, <laughs> anyway, you don't want to hear about this. We'll just get to Howie with the issues of the day. And we know what they are. It has to do with the RNC and the DNC and the craziness in Kenosha, and the craziness in 2020. Okay, I am always thrilled to speak to Howie Carr. He is of the Howie Carr Show. It runs from 3 to 7 p.m. live. You can also get all sorts of podcasts and other things over at HowieCarshow.com. Put your email in. A little box will jump up that says uh, Howie's Cheap Bastards. Put your email in there, and you'll get all sorts of updates and discounts and other stuff. Howie, um, I have good news for you, breaking news. The WNBA is back tonight. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this performative, this performance art of this year, this symbol symbolism just for symbolism? I mean, the, the, the stuff in the 60s meant something, getting out there and doing right. stuff. What is the meaning of this, that we're doing this year? I, I don't
2: know what the meaning of it is. I, uh, You know, I, our front page in the Herald today was about the, uh, the NBA canceling the schedule and my thought was, I don't think that moved a lot of papers off the newsstand because I don't think anybody cared about the NBA to begin with since they came back. And, you know, this is just beyond uh, parody now. I mean, they, they don't know what happened in, uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, and now they're going to use it as an excuse not to play and uh, I guess they'd canceled the ball game last, uh, one of the uh, Red Sox, uh, one of the uh, Major League Baseball teams canceled the game, and they asked the, uh, the the manager of the Red Sox about it last night, and he said, I didn't know that they'd canceled the game until I came in here tonight. <laughs> I mean, so uh, apparently the the uh, the the players in the uh Front office and the managers of the baseball teams aren't even following baseball anymore or basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and I think football's going down the same rabbit hole as well. Just a couple of weeks from now,
4: and nobody really knows why. But we know that the, that the media certainly has been has been fanning the flames in this thing. You know, the the there were there were no satellite trucks in Kenosha <laughs> until yesterday, until this white kid went down there and t- shot people with, with his AR fifteen. Then he a shot
2: of- felons, right, who were apparently chasing him, and one of them uh, was a uh, pedophile, and the other was a burglar, and the other one had a pistol, and he shot them as they were chasing him. And I, you know, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know who's in the right and who's in the wrong, but uh, I tend to think that they're not going to stand up murder charges against this kid.
4: Yeah, and it's it, the media has always dis- already decided that he's a white supremacist and that his Facebook posts are a white supremacist posts and and um, and sexist. So that could mean a calendar girl and um, blue lives matter in twenty twenty. I mean, these people are so dishonest at this point.
2: Yeah, they are. I'm just looking at a uh, at a at a screenshot from CNN last night uh, from I guess it was from early this morning from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And the Chiron is fiery, but mostly peaceful protests <laughs> after police shooting. I mean, talk about not being able to make stuff up. Fi- that's like the ba- That sounds like the Babylon B. Fiery but mostly peaceful protests. It's, after
4: police it's funny. I was just going to bring that up to you. I'm looking at the same one. That's Jimenez, I think, from CNN. And that's not the first time they did that. They in in Minneapolis as well. You had uh, I forgot who it was saying. Everything is peaceful here. Meanwhile, there's literally an explosion uh, behind him. It right, but
2: like Baghdad Bob, but it's not
4: in Iraq. It's it's in the
2: heartland of the country. Yes. How about the fact that the New York Times uh here's the headline today on the front page. How chaos in Kenosha is already swaying some voters in Wisconsin.
4: <laughs> yeah, <You> thank, <laughs> Think? Well, Do Don you Lemon know? sounded the alarm on this. He said people, the polls are moving with all this uh, with all this uh, destruction. You got to stop. Now it's serious. You got to stop. Incredible! In the fact that Joe Biden now is threatening to go to Wisconsin must show you, must mean that some internal polling for him is showing this stuff. This thing is moving in the wrong direction.
2: It's it's got to be. It's got to be. And I I don't I don't think it's a good move to get him out of the basement. That would be my uh, mm-hmm. take on the whole thing. But the, you're you're probably right that uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to do something.
4: Howie, do you um, I haven't um actually heard your take this week on this. How do you think the RNC is going?
2: I think it's going pretty well, actually. I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know how many minds are being changed, but I mean, if you're if you're just going in for a, uh, you know, a sampling of it, I think you're getting good stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I really liked Rick Grinnell last night, and I'm yep. I'm glad that uh, they put him out there to talk about the uh, Russian collusion. And I, because I, I, still don't think a lot of people understand it, and it's still really hard to explain, and uh, even even in a a five minute speech, but. I'm glad they're putting it out there, and I just heard uh, the guy who's filling in for Rush saying he hopes Scott Atlas is out there tonight and he can explain coronavirus too. Because yep. I mean, it seems it. I, I think uh, I, I think the the peaceful protests has uh, has turned around and bitten them on their rear ends. Yeah. So the, all they got left now is COVID 19, and uh, they got They got That's got to be put down as well.
4: Yeah, and you think about. I think personally that this – I am blown away at how well this is, the production value and all of the kind of Easter eggs of surprises that are happening every night. Somebody somebody brilliant is behind this entire production. Um, But you think about – last week for the Democrats, if you just tuned in on Monday night – you saw this guy wearing curtains singing a Buffalo Springfield song from 55 years ago in which the police are the bad guys and the rioters are the good guys. If you tune into the Republican convention, you saw a lobsterman talking about how simple deregulations has turned his life around. I mean, the the messaging. I had him on the I
2: had him on my show yesterday because I have a big main audience and uh, he was great. He's, he's really a good guy. the you know the the lumber guy was good last night from Minnesota and he's just like I guess uh, a lobbyist he works for the lumber association, but I mean some of the lines were memorable that all these people came up with like the lumber guy said uh, said we want to raise our children where we were raised and I thought to myself wow mm. that's I mean that's you'd never hear something like that with the Democrats or the or the nun the nun was fantastic a, a sir a, a, a colonel in the military who uh, who uh, you know took holy orders and uh, and and she said I don't just believe in, in I'm not just pro life I'm pro eternal life I thought Ooh. wow what a line I it, mean you know just a, what a, what outreach to the, uh, to the to the you know to 25% of the population that's Roman Catholic you know and and, yeah. the, and the libs are still trying to uh you know uh, uh, tar and feather uh, bishop Tobin down in Rhode Island because he said the obvious thing there are no Catholics on the Democrat ticket again this year.
4: <laughs> it is crazy. If you just got, you know, if you just got delivered to this country uh, from outer space, and you were watching this convention this week, you would think that the Republican Party is a party of of blacks, Latinos, and uh, of Indians—the diverse party full of working people and you know maybe it is actually maybe that's the whole thing there, you know last week was Eva Longoria and hollywood people you know lecturing you
2: yeah i you know you going back to that buffalo springfield song i mean that that was uh, so uh so jarring to see that song because it's a, there's a, there's lines in that song i don't even know if you remember them like mm-hmm. what a field day for the heat yes i mean I, I don't think this year has been a field day for the heat. Okay. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's one thing if you, if you're going to do a uh, remake uh, of the song, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be superior to the original one, but that, that was, it was just terrible. And it made no sense in the context of current events. I mean, even if you remembered the song and, and at this point in the history, I'm only a small minority of the people remember that song. I'm sure. Right. But they just, they just don't – I don't know. I, You're I don't right.
4: Know in the split there. screen, Howie, just the split screen of it, I don't know which riots were in the news last week. Maybe that was Chicago where you had somebody beating a cop with a skateboard where they had – where caravans of thugs came into Michigan Avenue to destroy the, the prime center of Chicago in the loop and where they had to put the bridges up. That's a split screen and then you have this, this guy memorializing positively – the 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 riot riots and protesters with that song somebody is right. idiotic last night Madison Cawthorn the, the did you see his part of the
2: uh, speech? yeah I did I did I love that I you know he's I mean there, there were all these great uh, TV moments like uh, yeah like the the guy that's a uh, paraplegic uh, standing up or, uh, or or the kid uh, from Covington Catholic yes. High School uh, putting on the hat.
4: You mean, I mean the, that was great stuff? You mean the snot-nosed kid, Howie? Yeah, the the...
2: St- the guy who sold, who sold uh, Barack Obama his mansion for like eight, $10 million bucks. He's accusing somebody else of being a snot-nosed <laughs> kid. I mean, this is projection. All uh, we've been talking about this since November of twenty sixteen. They, they. Invariably, are what they accuse you of being, and yes. that was that was this week's prime example so far. But it's only Thursday.
4: Yes, but Madison Cawthorn, the guy who who efforted himself into standing, um, you know, according to Yumiche Alcinder, who works for Public Broadcasting, uh, Madison Cawthorn made it a point to stand, suggesting that all Americans to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance. It was a direct rebuke of actions by people. Of black athletes, it was right. was it a direct rebuke or was it a guy putting himself in excruciating pain to selfishly, selflessly, you know, show respect for his country?
2: Yeah, it's I know. It, and again, we come back to the question: Who cares what the NBA does? You know, or the or Major League Baseball or yeah. the NHL? I mean, come on, I, you know, I'm I'm getting over it.
4: So, howie, you're a guy who. Jesus, in your career, I remember I've seen your back at RKO fifteen years ago. I remember looking at your file with all the angry letters about you (laughs) that people were. It was really cancel culture, trying to demanding that you get canceled back then. But you have survived it. The Republicans now are talking about it at this at this convention, mentioning cancel culture left and right. And do you notice that? The Joe Rogan podcast has millions of downloads and cancel culture is a constant theme of all this podcast revolution stuff. Um, Do you think that there's – do you think that there's value? Is that something that people really care about across party lines? Is that something that's going to be attractive do you think for people in the middle to hear?
2: You mean cancel culture coming out against
4: it? Coming out against it.
2: I think that, you know, that that uh, poll a couple of weeks ago by the Cato Institute was pretty revealing that said, I think, 62 percent of the American people are afraid to tell anybody other than their family and close friends what they really think. And, mm. and that was across the board. Except, the Democrats was like 50-50, they, they don't mind, I guess, half of the Democrats are even scared to say what they think, but, uh, but, you know, almost two-thirds of blacks, almost two-thirds of Hispanics, not to mention white people and a huge majority of Republicans, they were all afraid to say what they think. So you know, when I see, a, when I see stuff like, uh, you, you know, the, the, uh, Trump and Biden are running neck and neck in Minnesota, I figure, well, Trump's got to be up five points and they said Trump was even with uh with Biden in Wisconsin before this whole thing started. So he's got to be he's got to be way ahead now. And I'm just looking at this New York Times story about uh, you talk about the cancel culture, some guy named uh, Garrity. Mr. Garrity said he disliked how Trump talked, but the Democrat party's Gov- vision for governing s- seemed limited to attacking him and calling him a racist, comma a charge being leveled so constantly that it was having the effect of alienating instead of
4: persuading people. Wow. I hope
2: wow. the New York Times read their own stories. They might uh, they might wake
4: up. It's interesting. That is very interesting. I've got a, a friend who's um, big into sports radio and just thinks Trump's an idiot, didn't vote for him, but is voting for him now simply because a lot of the sp- sports hosts who we love are getting cancelled. And he's saying to hell with this, can't have this stuff anymore. So I'm up here now in West Newbury, Howie, and, and it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day because there's some Biden signs around here. Yeah. And, and my feeling was, because this is still America up here, it's not Newbury Port, it's West Newbury, it's still America right now. My, my yeah. feeling is, I said to him, I said, I think every house without a Biden sign is a Trump voter. And he said he thought even the houses with the Biden signs are Trump voters. They're just—it's a good way to hide it, you know. Yeah. Oh,
2: I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I think people. Uh, you know, they. You know. I, I talked to Charlie Chase, the guy who, uh, the the guy in Fall River. He's 83, 84 years old. He he's been attacked yes. twice for the Trump signs. He's he said that it's just uh, it's he's getting more and more. Uh, positive feedback day to day. He can notice it more and more people, you know. And plus, he's got now he's got a uh, Praetorian guard with him, you know, the <laughs> him from being attacked by some nuts uh, from Bristol County.
4: Good for him. So, you know, we've heard this week, of course, that everybody in the media has been telling us how dark and ominous all of the speeches are. Yes, <laughs> doesn't matter who says it; it's dark and ominous. And tone deaf, Howie. A lot of them are tone deaf. And so I decided after all of this, and I'm writing about this this weekend, after, I decided you should go back to listen to the Biden speech just the first five minutes. And I thought, OK, I'm going to just extract from the first five minutes, anything that could be considered dark and ominous.
3: The current president has cloaked American darkness for much too long, too much anger. Too much fear, too much division. The worst, the darkness, this season of darkness in America. Fear, fiction, massive unemployment, uncertainty, and fear. Stricken by a disease, stricken by a virus, it's selfish. It's a privileged few at the top, injustice of a knee on the neck. America of rising inequity and shrinking opportunity. And now history has delivered us to one of the most difficult moments america's ever faced four four historic crises all at the same time a perfect storm the worst pandemic in over 100 years the worst economic crisis since the great depression and the undeniable realities and ex- just the accelerating threats of climate change america's at an inflection point a time of real peril you can choose a path of becoming angrier less hopeful more divided a path of shadow and suspicion
4: jesus howie that's just the first five minutes Seems to me, wow, that seems to me to be a little bit dark and ominous, but it wasn't positioned that way. Is, this is why people who live in a basement tend to have more
2: mental illness. <laughs> you know, they don't see the sunlight. This is the kind of speech you uh, you produce if you, uh, if you haven't been out of the basement, but like once or twice in the last five months.
4: It's in- incredible. And I think it helps Donald Trump is that he also, he seems to be really enjoying himself now. He's joking more than ever. <laughs> He's having a good time. I don't know. When's the last time you saw him?
2: Uh, I t- well, I talked to him about uh, I'd say a month and a half ago. I, he called in when they were coming into uh, right. when they were coming into New Hampshire, and then I, I haven't seen him. I don't think I've seen him since February at Mar-a-Lago because he hasn't. You know, since the virus, he hasn't been. Uh, he hasn't been in Florida uh, hardly at all.
4: Yeah. Well, maybe he'll call in. He's coming back to New Hampshire this week, right? It- Yeah,
2: he is. I've been
4: I've been wondering if they were
2: going to uh, postpone it again because, you know, it might not seem like a good thing to have a laughing rally when everybody's, uh, you know, you know, recovering from the hurricane in uh in louisiana and texas but i guess they just uh, they just tweeted something out that he's still he's still gonna go and they moved it, they moved the location of the rally so i guess he's still on for tomorrow that's good i'm glad to hear it
4: that is great well people should tune into the howie car show and see if uh, donald trump calls in it could happen at any time go to howiecar.show.com sign up for as, as one of uh howie's cheap bastards howie th- i know you got to get to your show thanks so much for your time
2: hey thank you tom always a pleasure Bye-bye.
4: The great Howie Carr. Always a pleasure to talk to Howie. Also a really nice guy, in case you didn't know, in person. If you're on the receiving end of one of his columns, you may not think he's a nice guy. A couple things I want to get to today. And one is, there's a couple of things. One is a, a bad move by conservative media. One is a brilliant speech by a Democrat, and uh, one is a bad move by a Democrat and liberal media collaborating to try to pull one over your eyes. So we'll start with the bad day for conservative media. The Daily Caller, which was initially started by Tucker Carlson and, and another guy, I think, had a story today, and it says, CNN's Van Jones... Suggests alleged Kenosha shooter should be beat for irresponsible actions. So I saw this and I thought, my goodness, what is Van Jones saying? You can't say that about the 17 year old kid. And I assumed that it was true. So I decided to listen to the cut. So remember, the headline says CNN Van Jones suggests alleged Kenosha shooter should be beat for irresponsible actions. Is that what Van Jones says? Let's listen to
1: him. Do, do not criticize this young man for his, polit- his political. He Both we, we want to. Guns are legal in this country. That's not the problem. But there is a there's some irresponsible and reckless uh, choices that have been made. I think by this convention to lift up people who are are irresponsible, pointing guns at people who are not armed. That is irresponsible. So I think tonight I am going to wait. I want to hear from this vice president. My my prayer is that he will try to bring us together. Uh, my prayer is the left won't beat the kid up because he likes Donald Trump. We should beat this kid up, or because he is doing irresponsible things. And has been pulled into an irresponsible movement that the president needs to denounce.
4: He was obviously using that as a metaphor when he said, "Beat the kid up." Come on, come on, Daily caller. You know better than that. No soup for you. That is a flag for you. Not good. I mean, we expose. I make a living out of exposing the the liberal media. media. Many in the conservative media do because it never stops. But this is not kosher. The guy didn't – he wasn't suggesting anybody actually beat him up. I understand that if somebody on the right had said it, then a thousand leftist sites would would say – would contend or suggest that he would meant to literally beat him up. But let's not be like them. Let's be a little bit better. So and this – what I'm going to play next is a little bit of a – I'll just say this. Joe Biden needs to either – step away from this race or he needs to get out there and start answering more questions. Today he was on with Anderson Cooper from CNN. Obviously proud, progressive. And Cooper and Biden are talking about COVID and and the things in that universe. And it's very clear, very clear from the video that Biden is reading his answers. And Cooper totally lets him do it. It's totally hands off, and that was just obscene.
3: You guys played her on the air. She's saying, "That's not who we are. That's not who our family is. That's not who Jacob is. Don't do it." And so, you know, he continues to root for violence. It's uh, the, you know, the country will be uh, substantially safer uh, when he is no longer in office.
4: He is reading this, and uh,
3: yeah. you know, I, I'm going to work to calm the tensions and root out systemic racism. I'm going I'm to
2: lead
1: reading this. You, you think he's actually rooting for violence, that he
2: wants violence because it, it allows him to claim a law and order mantle?
3: Sure. And because it takes, his, it takes everybody's eye off the ball. Want to talk about safety? Look at the biggest safety issue in the, in the nation.
4: Look at Joe Biden reading this. Anderson Cooper seeing it happening and not calling him on it, just providing cover for him.
3: COVID. You know, just yesterday, we had 1,249 deaths. Over the seven-day period, we've averaged 1,000 deaths a day. Now, that is more than the five largest countries
4: in Europe. He's reading the hell out of that. I mean, that you just know. A combined
3: population, we are, a combined population bigger than us. You know how many they've had? 77 deaths a day.
4: Wow, what a good depth of knowledge of COVID he has. The number one issue... To voters in the united states and joe biden just seems to be really on the ball with it he's really competent in this stuff my goodness he's the fix for this he's just all this stuff is just on the tip of his tongue
3: he has been incompetent in the way in which he's dealt with this and not only that you know he talks about taking away he's still in court trying to get rid of uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act going to take 100,000, 100 million people with 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 preexisting conditions and and move them in a direction where they can't get coverage, going to coverage is going to be lost for so. And on top of that, I got another quote that I found today that was pointed out to me.
4: <laughs> you don't have to read anything more, Joe. You've been reading enough. Anderson Cooper just lets it happen. CNN is in a panic right now because Trump is closing in and this convention is working, and this these rioters here are causing consternation for CNN because it's, the, it's moving the polls. Don Lemon and and uh, Cuomo ca- kvetched over it earlier, so, you know, that's life, that's life. Mm-hmm. Sally, yes. come on in here. It's my daughter Sally Shattuck. I'm going to talk to her in a second. Sally, you can grab... There's some headphones. There's some headphones right down there, and you can put them on, and you're going to hear this stuff happening right now. Another thing happening is um, is Rep. John J. Dayberry. This is something that I just saw a moment ago on Twitter, and he is a state rep from Tennessee. Is John J. J. Dayberry Jr. His father, I think, was also in politics, maybe, but. He gave a speech a couple of days ago, in the I guess it's the the, the state house there in uh, what is the capital of Tennessee? Is it Clarksville? I don't know. Is it Clarksville? It's Nashville. It's Nashville, I think, in Na- Nashville, Tennessee, which was just incredible, just incredible. He's a Democrat, and I I just don't know what to say. If you need to go uh, go to the bathroom or make a drink, whatever. Do it right now and pause this right now, and I'm going to play this guy in just a second. And this, this thing just blew me away.
5: I rise because I continue to hear references to what I saw in growing up in this country and growing up in the state of Tennessee as I walked uh, with my father and worked work with my father here in the state of Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, and and across this state and across this country— Uh, in the middle of what has been referenced to, on several occasions, the Civil Rights Movement. And you know, people continue to refer to this, but I saw it. I saw men and women stand with courage and integrity and class, and they changed the world. They changed the world because what the world could see in them was the lie that was being told about them. I am one of those individuals who walked in back doors because the law said I had to. I'm one of those individuals who rode on the back of the bus on the back seats that were not cushioned because the law said I had to. I went to the water and drank colored water because the law said I had to. I went to a school where everybody looked like me and the country was divided and segregated. Because the law said that I had to. So all of these things we continue to refer to are the things that me and my generation lived. We saw it for ourselves. We're not reading it in the history books, but we lived it. I went with my father when he and our neighbor got one of those I am a man signs and went downtown Memphis And watched him stand there proudly with Dr. King and other men and women, black and white, who had enough courage to stand up against what was wrong. And the way they did it, they had on their suits, their shirts, their ties. And if it was cold, they overcoats. They locked arms and they marched peacefully. And Dr. King stood for that which was peaceful. Because the world took a look at what was happening in Memphis, in Chicago, in Detroit, in Washington, D.C. and all over this country, we changed the entire world. And we changed it because those men and women had enough guts, integrity, enough citizenship and love of country because my father was a Korean War era soldier as many of those other men and women were. They didn't beg for anything. They didn't beg for citizenship, they demanded it because they were American citizens who paid taxes, who raised children, who paid house notes and rent, and did everything they were supposed to do so that they could demand from this country and its constitution those things that they were supposed to have. How did they do it? They did it by standing like men and women of integrity and class and common sense and values. When the riots started and folks started burning stuff down, that's when my father took my arm and we left. We left because that was not what we were there for. That was not what Dr. King was there for. That was not what others who are famous in the civil rights days were there for. This was not peaceful. It was not part of our movement, and it only hurt everything. My family raised money and sent my dad to Washington for that march. But that man stood there and said that he wanted his children, Judge by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And all we do in America right now is talk about color. Every issue, every issue is about race, it's about color, instead of us sitting down at the table like men and women of common sense and common justice, and understanding that our enemies are looking with a greedy vigilance, Upon us as we tear ourselves apart internally. Hear, hear. They have been watching us for 50 years, preparing step by step by step by step for us to kill ourselves. And I may not be back here next year. And I'm sure everything I say is going to be misconstrued and misquoted and used against me in November. Fine. Fine, because I stand for my father's legacy. I stand for the men and women who acted like they had some sense and some courage and changed this country by being men and women who stood for something. If we don't start standing for something... Don't you know that the people who are looking at what's happening in Washington, in Detroit, in Portland, in Seattle, they're getting emboldened because we act like a bunch of punks, too frightened to stand up and protect our own stuff. You tell me that somebody got the right to tear down property that Tennessee taxpayers paid for? That American taxpayers paid for it and somebody has the right to destroy it, deface it, and tear it down? What kind of people have we become? That we can't protect our own stuff. Peaceful protest ends peacefully. Anarchy ends in chaos. And what we see happening right now is... Any of us with any common sense, any common sense whatsoever, know that what we see is not peaceful. So we can continue to fool ourselves and mix with words and use rhetoric and public relations in order to frost this stuff over and put a nice picture on what we see that is frightening. Frightening? I have a nephew who is a policeman talked about getting attacked the other night. You're telling me that somebody has the right to throw feces and urine in the face of those that we as taxpayers pay to protect us? And that's okay? What has happened to us? If we don't get this right right now, I've got grandchildren I don't want to see the country. We're going to have 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. If we don't start acting like we got some guts right now, brethren, sister and friends, colleagues right now.
4: Hear, hear. What a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant speech that was inspiring. John J. Dayberry Jr. from Tennessee. I wish he was in Massachusetts, but the kind of uh, re- representation we have are people like Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who tweets out about this 17-year-old who shot <clears throat> who shot the people in um, Kenosha. She tweets out, A 17-year-old white supremacist domestic terrorist drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who had assembled to affirm the value dignity and worth of black lives fix your damn headlines there we go there's no proof of course that he's a white supremacist terrorist and we don't know um we know that those people one of those people who he shot was actually aiming a gun at him and uh it it's it's a wildly wildly inaccurate and irresponsible thing for her to say but that's what she does now remember
2: there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives.
4: Well, there you go. You know, she's for it. She's for it. You heard what Dayberry said. You know, She's for this unrest. She's for the carnage and the terror and all that stuff. <clears throat> OK, before we go, I just want to check in. You know, we've been talking about uh, homeschooling and uh, and. In what that's going to entail, and I just want to kind of make it a, a, an ancillary narrative that we hit uh, here and there. So, somebody, you, you heard from my wife a couple days ago, somebody who's going to be homeschooled is my daughter, who's nine years old. Her name is Sally, and um, this is her first time on the podcast. Sally, how you doing? Good. Get right close to that, Sally. Okay.
6: Right even closer. Like this? Even closer.
4: Like this? Like that, okay. So, listen um you're nine years old you're going to third grade fourth okay i should know that you're going to the fourth grade and last year you were at the elementary school down the street with all the kids and you'd go and you'd wait at the bus stop and then go to school <clears throat> so this year we're going to be homeschooling you've seen some of the books that that mommy got right
6: Mhm.
4: are you excited by the books yes why what about them excite you
6: well uh I actually had one of the books already and I really liked that, so I'm excited for that week. And I also just love reading, and there's nothing not fun about reading.
4: <laughs> well, that's good because she has a lot of reading ready for you, right? Mm hmm. Do you like uh, what, what's going to make reading better here at home than it is in the classroom?
6: Well, I have to read for a certain amount of time in the classroom. And I only have a limited amount of time to read.
4: Oh, so this will open it up. So you have you're free. You can free range read. Yes. So, what are some of the things you're going to miss about school?
6: Well, seeing my friends, and well, like at the end of specials like gym and music, which we aren't, which we wouldn't have had, we would like high five if we had won a game, or hug if we. Had lost or if someone fell, we would go, went to them and then went to the teacher. Actually, right, okay, yeah. Only if it was in the gym though, because.
4: So there's some of that camaraderie stuff, team building, spirit stuff that you won't get to do, which is kind of sad. What do you? What can we do to um, to replace that for you?
6: Well, we could have like social distancing get-togethers with other kids who are homeschooling.
4: Do you know some other kids who are homeschooling?
6: Actually, only one family.
4: <clears throat> only one family, but I think there are a bunch of families who are doing it. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe you don't know them. Are you going to miss going down and getting to the bus? Which, to me, as your daddy who's here for that, that happens seems like a chaotic and un- disorganized fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants uh, situation where you guys make it about 70% of the time.
6: Well, I am going to miss that, but I was ready. James was not.
4: Ooh, that's a direct shot at her younger brother, who's who's entered the room now. This may be uh, something we have to hash out in a debate in a future podcast. <laughs> 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 well, all right, Sally. Thanks for jumping on. Do you want to go out? Want to hear the uh, closing music? Sure. Tell me if you like it. Ready? Okay, Anson. Hold on. We're, we're talking here, buddy. We're uh, not. You can talk, Anson. Here we go. You like it? Gets a lot of criticism online. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. My name is Tom Shattuck. Uh, as you know, I'm, you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Shattuck. There's some stuff on me at TomShattuck.com. It's, it hasn't been updated in three years, but my old columns and things like that are there. Uh, pick up a copy of the Boston, uh, Boston, uh, the Lowell Sun, or, or uh, get a digital uh, subscription. Thanks so much. See you later.
5: Say